Hello, my name is Monique Camella. I am a trauma-informed feminine empowerment, self-love and relationships coach. I created the Good Girl Unleashed podcast as a way to support you on your journey to liberating yourself from limiting beliefs, trauma, suppression, so that we can all come home and live authentically and unapologetically. I support my clients and my community with resolving trauma, releasing suppressed emotions in a safe, supportive way that allows them to reconnect to their authentic self and create a deeply fulfilling life and rich, nourishing relationships. I'm so grateful that you're here. Let's dive into today's episode. So welcome to the Good Girl Unleashed podcast. So today I'm here with Matt um, and we journeyed together quite a while ago now, um, 20, end of 2019 in our breathwork facilitator training with BBTRI. Um, so I'm going to hand over to you. I'd love if you want to just introduce yourself a little bit, um, what you're doing today, and then we can go from there. Hey, listeners. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Matthew Bruce. I met Monique at like a breathwork training. So we did a week-long holotropic breathwork with body work um, together, which was a um, pretty cool story. We'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but, yeah, I guess what called me to that uh, breathwork retreat is I was a veteran of 10 years in the military. So I served in Afghanistan, served at the SAS, um, and I had some really deep healing that I needed to do at the time on my nervous system, my body. And yeah, I guess much like Monique, I've gone down the path of, of intimacy, um, and studying and facilitating in sexuality schools as well. So I'm very, um, interested in my own healing of my own body, reclaiming my power as a man. And I guess by default, that kind of, um, brings me into these, um, relationships with women and the aspects of, you know, me holding these pieces within myself that, you know, I can now hold them for women and vice versa. They can hold them for me. So yeah, I'd love to get into that chat today. Mm. Yeah, it's really amazing. Um, so Matthew is our first man on the podcast as well, which is really cool. <laughs> so it's really nice to have that, um, new perspective because obviously we've had um like a lot of me sharing my journey on this podcast we've had a lot of women coming on as well um and then yeah just inviting in that masculine energy that man's perspective and i love that yeah when we connected recently you shared that you had been a, a teacher or a facilitator inside an intimacy school as well um yeah and i feel like i've had a lot of healing um through, through my relationship with my partner and him being able to hold that space for me. And so, yeah, really sharing your experience around how you've been able to hold that space for yourself and then also for the women in your life as well. Mm. Yeah, um, I think it's so important that, you know, the relationships between men and women are kind of pretty distant these days. There's you know, so many stresses in our life around the expectations of, you know, current workloads and rent and um, mortgages and all of these things. So, you know, um, being in connection in like a stable, constant connection with repair and proper intimacy and all of these things is kind of like actually a bit of a luxury and a privilege these days, um, but also like a choice. 
you know, won't necessarily have to buy into what the needs of our culture are right now. And we can choose to come back to have these healthy relationships and healthy unions and prioritize connection and love and care and all these things. So, yeah, I'm kind of lucky that my value systems and I guess my skill sets have changed. Um, you know, I was definitely lacking skills and lacking, um, you know, basic uh, necessities from my parents on how to be able to bond and honour a woman and honour myself. Um, but I've slowly collected them over the last few years. And, yeah, now I'm pretty proud of, of where I am as a man and how I'm able to relate. Yeah, and I feel like for so many of us, it's just it isn't something that's role modelled or taught um, for for a lot of us. And so for me as well, like growing up, didn't really have that healthy relationship uh, dynamic uh, role model to me. And so we tend to pick up these different ways of coping and protecting and relating. And for me, it caused a lot of like disconnection and holding myself back and pushing men away or pushing really all people away, but definitely had a lot of distance between me and men. And so that journey of experiencing and cultivating intimacy first with myself and then that allowing to, to blossom into my relationship has been a really beautiful journey. So I'd love to explore that with you today as well. But maybe let's um, go a little bit more into yeah how we connected and how that, that initial journey that we had, I think it was quite a profound experience, definitely for me. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, well, I'll share my my first memory. Uh, we had to partner up. I think there was about 20 people on this retreat. We had to find a partner on day one to breathe with. So, you know, this is our first experience of holotropic breathwork. Um, and little did I know it was kind of like school vibes where everyone had already kind of picked their partner. And Monique and I were just kind of like, you know, um, not aware. And so that everyone else had a partner. So Monique and I come together and we're like, oh, okay, cool. No worries. You're my partner. Um, and then we were basically, I can't remember what was the, we we're doing the crown, wasn't it? it wasn't We started um, the crown. I think it was the open session where it was like, let's just explore the breath work. It was kind of before yeah. we um, started going through the energy centers. Yeah, okay. Um, and basically, um, Monique and I had to partner together. So, you know, I think if you look at our profiles back then or like an archetypal expression, I was pretty dark masculine still. I had a lot of trauma that I hadn't healed inside my body. You know, I was very penetrative in my energy. I still had quite large pieces of my ego. Um, I wasn't really embodied as a man or balanced in my center and my core. Um, and Monique was probably a bit more in a light feminine, a little bit quieter and, um, you know, I guess not over the top quiet, but still, um, you know, very feminine in your expression. And then we get paired together. Um, and yeah, I guess, you know, there's parts of me that have really had to look at and claim certain parts of my masculinity as, you know, um, unhealthy and, and there we were paired together to breathe. So that was the start. Do you want to maybe share what happened after that? Yeah. And it was, it was quite a fascinating experience for me because it was a training that I felt so deeply called to, and I've shared a bit about my experience with, um, BBTRS and, it was quite amazing. I was so excited leading up to it. And as soon as I arrived, I just went into like almost a shock experience where I, was, I fully shut down. I was terrified. I remember walking into that initial opening ceremony and 
just shaking, literally shaking until it got to me to share my intention. And then once it got to me, it was just like, like move on, (laughs) don't want to share. So I was very shut down in my expression, afraid to communicate and speak, let alone breathe and express the way that everyone was expressing around me. And so to kind of be paired with a male as well was actually quite terrifying of like, oh God, like how am I going to express with a man like there was a lot of fear around that and then when it all started and I started breathing and I just started hearing all these sounds around me it sounded like there was sex going on it sounded like there was screaming and moaning and crying and all sorts of stuff and I was like I can't do that like it's I just can't do it and I just remember freezing and I remember like tears pouring down my face and just being in like an all fours position struggling to move um and it felt so vulnerable and so i'm not sure if like there was maybe a bit of like definitely a bit of like maybe embarrassment or humiliation of like feeling so frozen and so vulnerable um and not really sure how to move through it and then to have chaitna come in at that point and to support me was quite a profound moment for me because i've had in the past where i've been in a freeze state and I've been shamed for it and told like it's my fault that I'm not doing the process and that I'm not going to get a transformation because I'm not doing the work when I'm actually mm-hmm. in a trauma response I've had. And that was um, from men that were guiding these trainings. So I always just felt like uh, unsafe to fully be in my process. So when Chetna came through and was able to help us through that, mm-hmm. it was really, really profound for me. Um, but I, I remember being in that journey and even though there was still like resistance and discomfort, I could still feel your presence. I could feel that you were there and able to hold the space, even though I'm not sure what your, exactly what your experience was with it, but I could feel that, yeah, you're there, you're safe. I'm okay. But definitely having Chaitna come through to help me move through that mm-hmm. freeze response made me really feel like there's not something wrong with me. Like there's actually a reason why I'm experiencing this. Mm, powerful. Mm. Um, I, I remember something very similar. Um, I think I was like actually waving um, Chetna over. I was like, come here, please help me. Um, because, yeah, I guess I didn't feel um, equipped enough to be able to support you in that. Um, and also not so much equipped enough like, not wanting to hold you in that and get it wrong and wanting to make sure that you had the correct support for you to um, kind of go through your process. Also um, connected with large amounts of empathy um, for you, which as a soldier was actually quite profound. So you can imagine, um, you know, we can give um, people who don't have empathy labels and we do that in the modern society. Um, But, you know, ultimately the realistic um like reality is that some people live in family dynamics or grow up in family dynamics or are in the military, et cetera, that they can disconnect from certain emotions. So it was very profound to feel what you were going through and have large amounts of empathy. And oh, I had tears, like I was crying in the process as well too, just from like, you know, really being able to witness, um, you know, all of the times that I had not fully really honoured and know from like a woman as well too. So it's not like um, the just 
any form of no, any form of boundary, any form of communication that, you know, I'd pushed back against or, um, you know, I guess the thing is that I've had to work on in my healing journey is like um, bulldozing my needs for somebody else's needs. Um, and quite often in the past in relationships, somebody could put the need up, I would put my need up and, you know, I bulldoze my need. And, you know, it wasn't if I was, um, you know, in a place of, you uh, you know, um, yeah, like sexually assaulting anyone or heard like um, going that far. But there was always more of a of me not really listening to a no. So I think that in that expression of yourself, there was like a clear understanding of um, just how damaging it can be for a woman when they're not hurt. Um, and that when they're trying to express and, and you know, they are expressing that there needs to be like a, a deeper level of um respect and honor for that so you know that was really deeply transformational for me being on the other side of that as well um and i felt that that was quite a common theme for me in the breath work um i'm not sure if it's my human design i'm a left hand cross in human design so that means that i'm um you know interact with people outside of me versus my own um, individual journey which is a right hand cross so kind of just witnessing back on that training just how much of my transformation come from the collective versus my <clears throat> own internal processes um but yeah like it was quite profound and also um what you were saying about everyone else in you know, individual processes like that actually sounded like a war zone that training it was quite quite intense yeah yeah it was it was really full on and I think it was probably by my like third session that I felt like I was able to drop in and I didn't notice as much going on around me. Like you can feel the intensity in the room, but I felt like I was able to really drop in, but it took me probably that third session. And then that fourth session, I was so exhausted that I couldn't drop in at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, it was really amazing. Um, just the synchronicity as well of being paired because just as you were sharing, what was coming up was a big part of something I was working through with that training, which I hadn't intended to work through. It just kind of came up was actually sexual trauma and my nose not being honored or my free states not being like honored or even realized. And I think again, it's that there's such a, a deep disconnection for so many of us that we don't understand what we're going through, let alone like being able to attune to what someone around us is going through. And it can lead to this experience where we don't realize maybe someone is setting a boundary or saying a no. Because I found for me, a lot of the time it was hard to get a no out, like I would just completely freeze. And so sometimes that can be assumed as a yes, um, mm -hmm. or at least that's what I experienced because there were times where I did freeze. There were definitely times where I said no as well and that wasn't honored, but there were times where I was actually in a free state or trying to almost like talk someone out of doing something rather than just saying a straight no. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't honored either. So <clears throat> yeah, it's been a massive journey of opening up through the throat and being able to actually express and set boundaries. It's been a, a huge journey since we've, since we met in yeah 2019. Mm -hmm. And for the listeners out there, 
the um, process and the space. So we're talking about a lot of people going into the individual process. Space <clears throat> space was held really tightly. So we're talking about something like four or five professional breathwork practitioners with one of them having like 30 years experience. And then every single other person has a student that's holding them as well too. So it was like quite a tightly held space. But I remember at the end of the last process, Chetna asked you to try and communicate. Can you remember that? So she asked you to like look at me and say no to me, which is super intense. Like I've got goosebumps thinking about that. It's like, um, you know, I'm playing the role of the predator and like the perpetrator and you're the victim. And then, you know, the practitioners holding you to look at me to say no to me. And, you know, you couldn't say it. And that was intense, like, for for me to be on the receiving end of that and not to internalize that and not make that personal as well but also like to then see you not be able to um, communicate and use your voice at the end of the first breath work um, made it even more powerful in the last one when we got paired again so yeah, yeah you want to start <laughs> off on that one yeah that was um quite huge because I remember when Chetna asked me she was like um what do you what do you want to say like what's something that you you need to say right now and I was like I forgive you I forgive you she's like no you're not there we're not there yet and that was such a profound moment as well to actually say no we're not going to jump to forgiveness Mm. we're actually going to honor the anger and the need to say no and I didn't realize like that's what I would tend to do is just try and like kind of forgive forget move on let people Mm. off the hook which is what i had done in previous experiences like i've almost like i guess made myself wrong like i should have known better or i've got myself into the situation Mm. but that was really profound to actually give me the validation um and give me the space to speak my no Mm. um and yeah and then so it was like an eight day training we were breathing every single day for eight days and I remember for the remainder of the week, I paired with women. I was like, that was super intense to pair with a man. I was like, I'm pairing with women. And I was like, jumping into asking people as soon as I could to make sure I got a partner and I wasn't left <laughs> to the end. But then um, I remember at the by the end of it, I felt actually really comfortable to surrender and trust that who I'm meant to pair with today is who I'm going to pair with today. And it was really fascinating that we ended up coming together again. And it felt like that full circle moment of starting the journey and ending the journey together. And I had gone through so much in that week. I can't even believe that it was only a week. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's like, yeah, I'd love to hear your experience of yeah, that, that final session. Yeah, I'd love to share quickly, though, like on the um, forgiveness piece. Yeah. So... Um, you know, I've done a lot of study and a lot of work and I guess self-experience around like the light feminine and different archetypes. So, you know, if you've got light feminine, dark feminine, light masculine um, and dark masculine, the light feminine is normally, you know, in a state of freeze. You know, she's water. Um, so she's like an expression of water. Um, and she is about remaining open because she's more creating safety from a place of oxytocin and um, serotonin. 
So how she feels good is to remain open in her heart because oxytocin is how she bonds and how she connects. So going straight to forgiveness allows her to remain open, um, allows her to stay open to receive the oxytocin to feel good. So it's basically how you're internally wired from your childhood to actually bond, create safety, your identity, and all of these pieces are really entwined with actually having a state of um, forgiveness come first. Does that make sense? So it's not like your individual choice or, you know, your expression. It's kind of like more of a internal wiring of how we're creating safety and how that can show up for us. Um, so then, you know, saying no to somebody is like, distancing yourself from them, disconnecting from yourself from them. And then there's this whole, you know, good girl archetype and a sense of if I say no, I'm not accepted. But yeah, you are. You're you're actually disconnecting from that person on a on a um, you know, neurological level where your oxytocin and serotonin is not going to be produced for that person because you're not in a bond anymore and there's like a a separation um but you know we can say no we are safe to say no we are safe to detach from people and to have space and not need to connect to them and then you know that's not a, a true expression of our ability to still have oxytocin serotonin present um that's just like a maturation of the bonding process as well too in those parts of ourselves yeah that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it's really yeah. fascinating. Um, mm. There's even a lot of studies out there um, these days that are um, sharing about that our DNA is affected as a child. So our relationship with how we bond with our parents and um, how our hearts are going through oxytocin, serotonin is kind of like this love fear index. Mm-hmm. So for in a um, household that has a lot of fear. Um, basically we can repattern our DNA so we turn off our serotonin so we're kind of like limiting how much fear and love we experience in our world we change the receptors in our brain which changes our DNA Um, and then we go out into the world sorry and we're we're basically unable to bond with humans beyond that because we've actually shut down the receptors in our mind and our DNA to limit our capacity to be able to bond because when we bonded in the past, it hurt too much. So um, that's why these breathwork um, experiences where we're, you know, having altered states of consciousness where we're flooding the brain with oxygen, where we're, you know, using um, psilocybin and these kind of um, um, states of altered consciousness allows us to like repattern these parts of our brain and change our DNA again and then come back to having bond bonding. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense because that's what we talk a lot about on, on this podcast and a lot of where, where um, I'm teaching and coaching and sharing is like these protective mechanisms that we have created from young age where we haven't realized that we've developed these or why we've developed these in a lot of time yet it's just that that desire to create some sense of safety and to feel some sense of protection um and it's really what the podcast is about the good girl unleashed because i so resonated with trying to be this good girl trying to fit in be loved be accepted and then i realized oh i'm not the only one that's doing this and so this is really a journey of all of us becoming unleashed or really coming home to our authenticity. Mm, yeah, I really hear it's so ingrained in us, isn't it? Mm. Me and my current partner, we have a few laughs at the moment, like, you know, good girl and good good guy or good boy. Like, you know, when those parts of us play out in relationship, we just have a bit of a laugh and make it, you know, um, more funny. 
<clears throat> we don't have to beat ourselves up for our childhood conditioning as well. We can just kind of make it fun and have a laugh and just bring it to our awareness as well. Yeah. I've noticed um, me and Liam uh, doing that as well, like just having a bit of a giggle when these things come up, like when I start to go into my own little protections or spirals or anything like that or um yeah just having a bit of a giggle and not laughing at myself but just yeah with more like with compassion like oh yeah i see what's happening and like coming from a loving presence and compassion yeah um so to the listeners out there that are wondering about the final session of breath work we'll get into it um it was the so in the bbtrs it's kind of like it's a really trauma-informed um style of breath work uh where we do body work and breath work at the same time so the last belt of tension that we were working with was the base chakra um and for the base chakra there's the need for the um, person receiving. It's not necessarily need, but um, how we were going to be taught and how the lesson was going to be structured was to um, have the uh, person who was receiving the breath work put their legs over your lap so you could get into their, um, the, what's it called, the psoas. So we could get into the psoas muscle and so you could do a psoas release. So, um you know, on the last day here, I was not really caring who I got paired with as well. Um, so Minique and I got paired again. And then I was like, oh, okay, now I've got to have this, like, um, you know, young woman who got pretty triggered last time we're breathing, like hop into a pretty, like, um, compromising position with me. So you can imagine if she was laying down on her back with her legs over my legs, there's quite like a opening in like um, towards her vulva, etc. She's very exposed, like uh, along her torso. Um, and then there's the expectation of like, um, you know, having touch in her psoas, which stores quite a lot of emotional trauma. Um, and beyond that, like, yes, there was like consent, but really like none of us were really um, fully schooled in like, you know, what consent was, you know, having those consent-based like conversations as well too. It was kind of like agreed as students that we would, um, you know, be doing that. But my capacity as a male at the time to sit down and be comfortable in my own body and express and, you know, let her know exactly how the session was going to go and to communicate, you know, these particular things, you know, this it was a training organisation. So, you know, looking back that that was a lot as well too as <laughs> um uh and we hadn't even started the session yet um and you know i think that myself i felt um you know under under equipped as well to be able to support you in that process which i then asked for um chaitna to come over and support me again um and yeah i remember um yeah, I just felt like um, like I wanted to honour you by just allowing you to have the healing experience that you needed and not me fumbling my way through it, um, you know, and which you got there in the end. It was quite a powerful release again and it was like you completed your process and connected with your voice and, you know, I was super proud for you in the end um, and it was a really beautiful experience to see from one week to the other just what you actually went through and what you processed, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was quite fascinating because I remember how, yeah, confronting that position like would have been for me, like if I knew that that was coming <laughs> at the beginning of the week, it would have been like so overwhelming. 
but because it's taken like yeah that one day at a time and you start from the crown and the top of the head and you make your way down the body I found that really supportive so it wasn't super triggering going straight to the root um and because what was coming up a lot for me was that that sexual trauma and that inability to express having that session last was really divine for me and there was a particular session I had prior to this one where like when we're working on the throat where I actually started to feel my throat and my voice come out so when we got to this final session I felt more comfortable to go here and because it wasn't like a new man it was someone that I'd already connected and had a vulnerable experience with there was that foundational feeling of yep I know you Um, we've had conversations throughout the week as well I've got that bit of safety um, that I felt comfortable to go there it was still definitely confronting and a lot moving in that space I realized just how much was actually stored in my body when I was in this journey I was like you just you just don't know when you're going through your normal day-to-day and you're not aware of this kind of work you don't realize just how much is stored in the body so to go through this experience was incredibly enlightening um and yeah I had a massive release and it did feel like that completion it felt like that full circle experience um and I found it really really beautiful to go through that journey together to start together and finish together and to just see how far I had come in that process as well of being frozen to finally like being able to release and express and yeah let go yeah and to be held in the presence of a man (laughs) which had never really happened for me before was really really amazing and I feel like that would have also um been a really big impact on my relationship because when I was doing that training me and my current partner were fairly new at that point I think it was only maybe five or six months together at that point and we were going through a lot of stuff because obviously I had a lot of stuff buried that was coming up in the relationship so to be held by a man through that process really helped me to create more safety with my partner of like yep I can now start to open up in a more vulnerable way with him and then Mm that's really rippled into the rest of our relationship of, of allowing him to hold space as I continue to heal these layers around sexuality and intimacy and bonding. Mm. Amazing. So powerful. Mm. You can see how the um, top down approach. So I guess like in somatic therapy, we talk about breath work being a bottom up modality because we don't talk, but in the application of breath work, we kind of go top down just how much working on the throat and the heart before you got to, you know, um, the sexual areas would be supportive of that. You know, there's so much connection between the throat and our sex and our heart and our sex. So it's like, you, yeah, you would have felt that opening here, felt the opening in your heart, and then, you know, felt the opening through the base, through the sacral as well too. So, um, yeah, super profound stuff and, mm. yeah. Um, yeah, it was, it was so interesting when I saw you online the other week. I was like, oh, I know her. You know, I did a um, pretty powerful breath work. So I think Victoria Redbard that you had on the podcast um, one or two episodes ago, that was whose sexuality school actually um, was a facilitator in. So I went in and did a um, nine-month um, somatic sexuality facilitator training. Um, and then I guess with all of the 
breath work and trauma healing and practice that I had before that. And I then went on to study in their advanced um, modality school. Um, and then I was then asked to come on as a male facilitator, kind of like knowing the modality. So then I had the, um, I guess it would be the pleasure of being a, a token male facilitator in a all female sexuality school with like 55 women training all over the world to, um, basically become somatic sexuality facilitator. So, yeah, it was quite a powerful um, container. Um, it was such a powerful experience for me as a man. Um, and I guess, yeah, it's something that I'm pretty passionate about is, um, you know, helping people heal their sexuality. Um, if I do do men's work or I do an event these days, like probably more than 60% of the people that come to my spaces have some form of sexual trauma. And I'm not advertising that. It's just like they just come, it's there, and they're healing. Um, but, yeah, I also feel like, um, yeah, just me being me and not so much focusing on sexual trauma also opens up a different kind of space for more humans to be able to come as well too. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty passionate about this work and, you know, pretty excited that you're where you're at in your journey now and you've come so far and that you're, you know, so successful in your own healing journey and supporting other people. It's um, pretty amazing to see. Mm, yeah. It's been, like I've said, like quite the journey. It's, it's quite um, mind blowing to see how it's all unfolded. And yeah, last year I journeyed with Layla Martin, uh, through her Vita coaching program and again just delving deep into that somatic work into the body and realizing just how deeply stuck some of this stuff can become and how mm. much it can impact our life because again when we're just going through the motions day by day like tackling the never-ending to-do list and just go 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 and we don't tend to notice how much this stuff is impacting our life, our intimacy, our relationships, our ability to connect and bond. Um, yeah, I'm interested in, in your perspective around, around that and how when we've got this trauma inside of our body, how it impacts our relationships. Yeah, it's a good question. And there needs to be like a, a choice, I guess, and quite a big choice to be able to heal that. I actually think there's a fair bit of dysfunction in a lot of the coaching industry at the moment where I see a lot of men and women supporting other humans, but they haven't really integrated these large parts of their sexual trauma or like really integrated the large parts of, of who they are. And um, I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but, you know, a, a practitioner or facilitator who has like opened up that part of their sexuality yeah, holds a lot more power, a lot more presence and a lot more capacity to be able to support somebody with a lot less dynamics around power as well too. So if anyone's listening out there who is a coach or thinking about being a coach or starting a coach, you know, you have to put on your journey at some point some kind of um, like container or intentional container around looking at and taking ownership around, you know, your dynamics that you've been conditioned from the world, from your family, et cetera. Um, doesn't necessarily have to be trauma, but, you know, ultimately just recognizing that you're in the space, um, you know, you're supporting people in power dynamics um, and that this is a really big part of, um, you know, creating a healthier coaching industry and supporting um, humans with, you know, less of our own shadows and, and less of our own um, 
projections, which is really important. Um, I know Layla Martin. I've actually met her personally. Her work's pretty cool. Um, I think a few full moons ago, we chanted some like six foot gold Lakshmi statue, um, and you know got our abundance up for the year. Um, but she was really lovely, and I've heard like a lot of um, really powerful things about her coaching program. Um, and I'm moving to America in the next month or two, so I'll probably meet some more practitioners. Um, but yeah, I just think that somatic healing is so powerful no matter where we put our awareness and our attention um and that you know if you are a person out there i'd say it's 99.9 percent regardless if you're aware or not you've got some kind of contraction in your body around some form of sexual experience even if that's just your first childhood like um sexual experience with a boy or a girl etc um you know, even if that was just like a textbook experience, there's still probably no conversation around consent, around penetration. Um, there's probably still nervousness and like um, some form of anxiousness or shame or guilt or something stored in your nervous system about that. Um, and a lot of those initial first experiences can still be projecting out into our adult relationships as well too. So whether we're kind of consciously aware of it, our capacity to be seen in our nudity, um, you know, our capacity to express our voice, all these things that, you know, were um, a process of conditioning in our first few types of sexual interaction can actually be, um, you know, projected into our future and still how we feel about being seen or expressing our voice or, you know, having the capacity to, you know, explore pleasure in our own body um, uh, basically tied back to our first few sexual experiences. So, you know, the most powerful thing you can do in this space is not only just heal your trauma, is actually, you know, cut the ties to the past and actually fully give yourself permission to liberate yourself as a sexual being and find your own pleasure in your own body as well. Mm. Yeah. And I, I find um, what I come across a lot is there's a lot of, there can be a lot of um, goal orientation. So, or expectation of this is how it's got to go. This is what's got to happen. Um, definitely like a lot of focus on like kind of climax and orgasm. And what I found when that was my reality of like, sex has like a an end result like this is why we're doing it this is where we're going this is where we got to get to it put a lot of pressure and a lot of contraction in my body and a lot of forcing and feeling like failure if you don't get there or like there's something wrong with me if i don't get there but also it when i would get there it felt like the energy was just expelled from my body and there was more of like a depletion and a feeling of drained and actually a bit of like quite a bit of disconnection in that experience where I find like when I've learned how to hold space for myself when I've allowed others to hold space for me when I've allowed my partner to hold space for me <clears throat> it's actually helped me to circulate that energy and have very different experiences so sex with my current partner has become really healing and can sometimes feel like I'm doing somatic work because we're really present. We're in the body. I'm noticing what's coming up. I'm feeling if there's any resistance, I'm feeling the openness when that's there. I'm more able to surrender into the process and it's, it's really a dance and it's riding the waves. But I do find that we can limit 
our experience and our ability to feel pleasure and intimacy, it can often become a chore or a responsibility or an obligation or this is how it has to go and if it doesn't it means this we can get really stuck in the head and it just really limits that experience yeah totally um there's some really cool language that, that's been thrown around in the last year or two around parasympathetic arousal and sympathetic arousal mm-hmm. do you guys talk about that on here or i haven't um at this point no <clears throat> yeah okay so um for the listeners out there parasympathetic arousal is kind of like the arousal point that um, Monique is talking about where um, it's less action orientated. So it's like in the body, it's, um, you know, slower, it's not as stimulating um, and it's more in the parasympathetic nervous system. So you can imagine that, you know, there's um, pleasure that's existing in the body. um, And when we align more with the parasympathetic nervous system, we can kind of stay connected to this like slower state of purpose um, and if we go to the like higher states of stimulation, we can kind of like actually eject out of the parasympathetic nervous system and go into this stimulated state. So this could be like, you know, fast friction based um, stimulation or, you know, um, too much clitoris stimulation, et cetera, can kind of like stimulate us out of our parasympathetic nervous system into our sympathetic nervous system. And the nature of the sympathetic nervous system is to be more goal orientated, um, to have it be outcome driven, um, to get somewhere to do something. That's the nature of why our sympathetic nervous system exists is to, you know, give us the ability to take action. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is more the rest and digest. So it's kind of like, you know, um, when we're having a quickie with our partner and there's quite a strong arousal point that we're feeling and that's what's driving us into intimacy is kind of more of that sympathetic arousal. And it's nearly more of like a, you know, I don't actually really like what I'm feeling in my body or I've got some kind of charge that I want to get rid of and I want to disassociate or disconnect from that, which is more, you know, sympathetic. It's kind of same as like, you know, going for a hard run for your mental health. Um, You know, you're just basically trying to outrun or, um, you know, get rid of how you're feeling. And I guess the thing about the parasympathetic nervous system arousal and what Monique was talking about is that there's, there's just you and whatever's in your body and then um, there's no running or hiding from that. So that's where the healing comes in is that if you want to hop into your parasympathetic nervous system, you actually have to face what's there. So whether that's heartbreak, sadness, you know, not, not feeling enough, the, basically a big one for women is like losing control. So the fear of losing control of going into, you know, quite a cathartic experience in orgasm or quite a you know large cervical orgasm there can be that um, fear of losing control and all of these things are quite you know real experiences for humans that are living in our nervous system and the deeper we go into our parasympathetic nervous system in these states of you know non-goal orientated intimacy we can kind of come up against them and release them and have you know quite profound healing experiences yeah Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I noticed when I was more in that kind of conditioned pattern of like the sympathetic arousal, there was like, I would find myself like literally trying to run away from the experience as soon as like the climax would start to happen. It's like, it's so intense and overwhelming. And I actually started to feel when I was doing more of this somatic work, like that was actually traumatizing 
for my body because it was just too much. It was overwhelming for someone that is like often like disconnected and numb to feel so much was just shooting me out of my window of tolerance. Mm -hmm. And so something that I thought was meant to be pleasurable actually was just way too much for me to handle. And so I would literally physically be running away and pushing away, like stop. And then that kind of brings back what we we're talking about at the beginning of this uh, conversation around the the boundaries and me not being able to say stop or get away and literally just trying to run and that the partner um, not understanding what was happening and like forcing or pushing more into me was mm. again that traumatizing of those boundaries being crossed but I was so unaware of what was going on and it's been through this work that I've learned to create that inner safety for myself where I can slow down and express more and actually meet these parts where there is that fear of losing control and there is that fear of like going into orgasm and then all of a sudden crying or laughing or having some sort of expression that maybe makes no sense or it feels like I shouldn't be expressing in this way because of the conditioning that we have around what sex should look like, what it should feel like, what it should sound like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I totally agree and feel that um, you know, a really big part of this is in the somatic work that we're doing is, you know, it's not just sex related, it's it's touch, it's self-intimacy mm. um, and taking ownership of self-intimacy and moving energy in our own body we can really access the um, the pain axis from the pleasure axis. And if we're doing the work and bringing pleasure into our body and repatterning our relationship with pleasure, we're repatterning our relationship with pain as well too. So we're taking on more capacity for pain. And then we're also, you know, removing the mind and removing the attachments that we have to being in this part of the body. You know, ultimately when we're in our pain or pleasure within the past, it's ultimately tied to pain. Um, and then we have these mental anchors in there that, oh, if I hop into this part of my body, you know, this is this is bad. Um, so, you know, gently creating a relationship with our pain and pleasure body and slowly hopping into that as well allows us to then um, be more present in our body, hold ourselves, hold this expanded um, state of pleasure without needing to push our partner away. Because um, that can be quite damaging, not damaging, but quite abrupt. You know, when we are naked with another person, when we are, um, you know, being vulnerable, when we are connected in our hearts, you know, when we're making love for a partner to close down um, on me, I know it's a lot. It takes pretty much like all of my space holding skills that I've learned all over the years to hold her in that and to, you know, not internalize that and not want to make myself wrong or not want to make it about me as well. So, you know, for a man that's out there that is in relationship, um, you know, don't beat yourself up or judge yourself if you are going into a process, if somebody's pulling away from you when you are in these states of vulnerability. But, you know, there is the capacity for you to be able to choose um, that that's not the reaction that you want, that you can respond. And also, you know, you have the capacity to be able to repair afterwards as well. Um, you know, just go away, breathe and come back and realize that it's okay to feel rejected as part of the human experience. Um, and, you know, 
you just can talk through that. You can repair, you can come back and do some eye gazing and uh, let the discharge of, of feeling shut down or pulled away, not drive the rest of your day. We don't have to like shut down and then think that what's happening there is wrong. Um, you know, it's just a beautiful opportunity for more communication, uh, more clear communication, speaking about how you felt, speaking about how they felt. You know, if this is a pattern that's playing out for you, do you want to choose that or do you want to evolve through that as well too? So, yeah. Really getting curious about what is arising for you in, in all these different situations. And that's something that I have found has been really impactful for me in my journey. And also what I've witnessed with those that I've worked with over the years is bringing in this element of curiosity helps to shift from that judgment of I'm wrong or they're wrong or this is wrong or like shaming the experience or shutting down, coming into curiosity of what is here for me, what is coming up, um, really meeting the rejection or the abandonment or whatever it is that you're feeling with compassion and loving presence. And yeah, really working on that, that communication. I've found that from my own experience with the, the intense freeze that I've experienced of like, yeah, it's one thing to say, yep, just communicate about what you're experiencing. It's another to actually do it. And so for me, like the somatic work has been like life changing of meeting the part here that is so afraid to speak up and lovingly supporting this part and validating that it makes a lot of sense why I would shut down in these situations and just holding that part with such deep love and compassion has been huge. Mm. Yeah, I really feel you on that. It's one of the things that, like I talk about, is um, resourceful language. So, you know, we have our um, deep internal um, protection mechanisms that are kind of keeping us safe, um, but also, you know, are limiting our experience. Um, and it's nearly like this resourceful language and it's kind of like an inner child language as such that you're particularly talking to this part of, um, you know, our free state or our fight state or, you know, you're communicating with that to a point where you can disarm it, um, you know, and, and also in the disarming, there's also kind of like a, you know, if you're in a state of freeze and you're trying to talk, how about we actually just come fully into the state of freeze? For starters, like you know, remove the mind, remove the desire to talk, just come and experience what freeze is like itself. Like, oh, I'm frozen. What does this feel like for me? You know, can I actually remove the any thought patterns that I have and just speak to this part of freeze, have a relationship with freeze, like um, you know, not make it wrong, not desire to want to leave this or talk, etc. Communicate with that. And then, you know, once there's a level of like um, removing the contraction of freeze and removing the judgments that we have around freeze as well too, once they're both gone, like they're nearly there, um, we can just talk, you know. So it's like, you know, coming into, but how do we actually get out of a freeze response when we're in a freeze response? It's very difficult, just like you've spoken about. It's like you're in a trauma response. How do you get out of trauma? Well, you do that by, you know, witnessing your trauma and starting to have a relationship with it and starting to have a resourceful language with it. And that starts like not just here in this moment, but, you know, it starts every day. So then when the actual trigger does come up, you're there, you're ready. You've already got a relationship with it. You've already got a language. You're already like, okay, here it is. Here's my freeze response. Am I going to like going to try and fight it and get out of it? Or am I actually going to like be like, hey, it's okay. 
you're frozen. It's okay. Relax. Just relax. You've got this. This sensation is going to pass. You're going to be able to communicate yourself in a moment. You're safe. Everything's okay. You know, and it's that uh, language that we can have that can actually become a, a resource for our own healing, for kind of like an internal surrender as well. If we're trying to fight our trauma response, um, you know, and a good one for males is, you know, when we're, um, you know, when we're feeling anger or fighting or etc. or flight, we want to avoid etc. If we're feeling these sensations and we're playing into them. Um, and we're not actually building a relationship with this trauma response. We're not actually going to be able to come back to a level of safety. That's all it is. Is like, I want to run away because I don't feel safe. I'm freezing because I don't feel safe. And I can just create a language set with myself that allows me to generate my own safety. And I can just work on that in the moment every day to actually foster a relationship with that part of myself that I can actually have like quite a strong resource internally. Yeah. Yeah, and another one that's coming up for me is like the the need to fix it and rather than actually just being with what's here and meeting what's here, a big one for me, like something that I'll say to myself is I've got you. It's okay to feel this. It's okay that you're feeling this it, and validating the experience because a lot of the time we're wronging the experience or we've experienced being wronged or shamed by someone else in the past. And then we are also wronging ourselves and feeling like I shouldn't be freezing right now or there's something wrong with me and we're going into, again, that mind space and those stories. But it's like, it's okay. I've got you. I'm here with you. However long this takes to move through it, it's okay. We don't have to rush it. Let's just be here. Mm. Um, And I love what you shared, like actually just going into the freeze or embodying it, being in it and building that relationship with this part of you because I often do see these parts as inner children or younger versions of self that are stuck in like a past experience. And so when we're like wronging them or trying to force them or trying to get rid of them, they're not going to feel supported and safe to integrate and to be vulnerable and to express what needs to be expressed. Mm. So it's like when we can actually meet this part with that love, that compassion, that curiosity and say, I've, I've got you, it's okay. It actually yeah. creates that safety for this part to be like, oh, like in that deep mm-hmm. breath and that release and them being able to find the voice. Yeah, I hear you. And it's like, um, it's also like, I think it's a lack of um, parenting for when we're younger as well, too, is the inability to, for our parents to be able to give us a nervous, a healthy nervous system relationship to be able to soothe and soothing based language. Like, our parents didn't teach us how to soothe. So now we've got to learn how to soothe in these difficult moments. Um, and then also the best thing about once you learn this is that it will be with you for the rest of your life. That's what actually prevents, that's what makes something not traumatic is your capacity to be with yourself and the language that you use in your capacity to soothe yourself. And I've been through a couple of experiences in the last year or two that, you know, since I've been really, um, you know, connected to myself and really embodied, et cetera, that would be considered traumatic. Um, you know, some of them plant medicine based, one of them Buffo and, um, you know, probably even ayahuasca in the Amazon. Um, and there was some experiences in there that were quite like jarring to my psyche. Um, and it was my ability to soothe myself in those processes of having that exact same language that you're communicating about of like, hey, it's okay, you're safe, I've got you, et cetera, which 
don't make them traumatic. So it's like, you know, your capacity to be able to internally communicate isn't just going to help you ditch the past. It's going to kind of like protect you into the future as well too. And then hopefully that's something that you'll pass down to your children and pass on into your lineage is, um, you know, the capacity to be able to soothe yourself. Yeah. And something I really um, took away from BBTRS was like the, the window of tolerance and expanding that window. So as we like pendulate and allow ourselves to feel and then resource come back, feel resource come back. Um, that's really allowed me to be in these intense experiences. So similar, like I've had other experiences in the past few years that probably would have been really traumatizing for me prior, but with these new tools and with this expanded window of tolerance, I've been able to like meet it and feel the intensity and even like the shift in sexuality of like going from that sympathetic arousal and running away and it being too much to being able to just use my breath and my internal voice and support system to calm the nervous system and breathe through it and even to meet layers of resistance where I feel everything inside of my body fighting my experience and actually just being able to hold the space and feel those layers dissolve in the moment is massive. Um, mm. But it's definitely a process. It's a journey. It's, it's something that we've really got to, like for me, I feel like it's something you commit to for, for life of meeting yourself because life doesn't stop throwing you challenges but it's it's how we we get to choose how to respond to them rather than constantly falling into that reactivity and those past patterns or conditioning or trauma responses we get to shift it and like you were saying like shift that dna where we show up in for ourselves and show up in our life and our relationships very differently yeah amazing how good's that yeah yeah and the, the um another thing that was coming up for me just we've been talking quite a bit about intimacy and I remember when my partner brought up to uh brought to my attention like the meaning of like into me I see intimacy mm. yeah. and it's it's quite a vulnerable experience really allowing yourself to be seen allowing someone to really see you beneath all the layers the conditioning the masks all of the stuff but then also allowing yourself to see someone beneath all of their layers and masks and stuff. It's, mm -hmm. it's quite a, a deep experience. I'm wondering if you wanted to speak to that in, in any way. Yeah. I want to speak to the importance of men um, establishing a relationship with intimacy. Um, you know, without intimacy, there is, you know, pretty much no life. It's like a pot plant that's not getting watered. Um, and often in like um, relationships, we'll, we'll be in relationship because we don't know how to self-source our intimacy and we're unconsciously sourcing our intimacy from our partners, um, which is very common in a lot of relationships, but especially for men because we've never actually been taught or have a cultural um, understanding to, of intimacy. You know, we don't um, chat or be vulnerable or express parts of ourselves like girls do. You know, the women that are, are like going down the cafe and chatting a lot, they're still technically being vulnerable and opening some form of connection where men are kind of going to the pub and there's not a lot of intimacy there. Um, luckily that's not my reality, but that's what can happen for men. So in that, um, you know, we're unconsciously looking for intimacy in our relationships if a man then go has a child, I see that is where a real um, problem plays out. A woman has a child, the, the woman's not available for intimacy with the partner. 
primary source of intimacies with the baby, there's no sex, et cetera. And then a man's like, oh, wow, you know, they're going through quite a big death and quite a big journey, et cetera, because they don't understand that, you know, they've now got to self-source their own intimacy. So, um, you know, I think that separating those two things out as a man and actually being self-sourcing in your intimacy is, you know, what really creates the capacity for a really grounded, loving relationship with your partner um, and that you're not kind of coming in this like needy boy energy. Um, you know, the I haven't had my needs met of intimacy and I don't even know that they're my needs and then I'm going to come at you like a needy boy needing to resolve stuff with you. So, yeah, like if you're seeing that pattern play out for you or in your relationship, um, that that's a really powerful way to kind of unlock that and let that go. Mm, yeah, I feel like that's it's – it's like a whole nother podcast, but it's such a, a big topic around like the birthing experience, like how much that shifts a relationship. And I definitely experienced it for myself as well. Like, and it's just something that's not really spoken about or something that you learn about in that, like, as you grow up and as you're developing. So yeah, there is definitely that need for self-soothing, self-sourcing, like, um, I've even noticed for, for women as well, like the, the practice of self-pleasure and really allowing themselves to receive pleasure and have that deep connection with themselves. I'm sure it's um, with men as well of like that deep intimacy and self-pleasure rather than just kind of say masturbation and getting off. It's like that really like coming into the parasympathetic arousal and connecting with your body and really expanding yourself for for deep pleasure, deep intimacy and deep love. Is there any uh, maybe recommendations that you would suggest for someone getting started that this might be pretty new for? And they're like, how do I even start self-sourcing and being able to connect with myself intimately? Yeah, I'd say that there needs to be like a one, a desire. You know, ultimately our desires are here to help us free. So, you know, if you look, look at your desires. If your desires are wanting something, um, be like, okay, cool. I acknowledge that desire, um, you know, and often our desires are very feminine, kind of very driven in our body. Um, so balancing that by maybe putting a little bit of thought around our desire um, by being like, okay, you know, I want to work on my intimacy. I want to work on my pleasure, et cetera, and unlocking these things. Get a plan. Say, you know, this part of my year, I'm going to dedicate two months to it. I like this support person, so I'm going to maybe get – one or two sessions and I'm going to save up for that and then I'm going to get like, you know, uh, maybe go meet this edge, figure out what your edges are, how can I meet that edge in a safe way um, and, you know, do a little bit of a plan around it and then show up for yourself, like realise that things are going to get challenging. Choose that, witness that, okay, things are going to get challenging. I can either run away or I can, um, you know, lean in. Just your choice to lean in before the experience is happening. If you say to the world, hey, I realize this is going to be tough, but I choose to lean in right now. You know, that's pretty much going to allow you to lean in when it comes. If you're like half in, half out, you haven't said that you're, you know, with you haven't chosen that with your free will or, you know, you haven't set an intention, when it comes to the time where crunch time, when you get to show up and break the pattern, you're probably going to run away. So, you know, um, setting intention, all those things are really supportive. Um, personally, I did like a nine-month um, intimacy practice every day for nine months. Um, it was so um, – I was a highly avoidant human after the military. 
I was like, you know, the epitome of um, avoidant. Um, you know, that was a, a really push-pull, unhealthy relationship that I was in at the time, but one where we were just constantly choosing to show up in a space of self-development. Um, but, yeah, self-touch and, you know, being in the body, kind of repatterning and reconnecting the um, peripheral nervous system. So your peripheral nervous system is you know, the nervous system that faces out into the world. And, you know, that's where our trauma or where our experiences are first, um, ex like um, being trapped in the nervous system. Um, so in breath, sound, breath, sound, touch and movement of your body, you're actually like um, bringing the nerve endings back alive of the peripheral nervous system. And in, in that, you're kind of like allowing the, um, the automatic nervous system to relax a bit more um, in a sense the parasympathetic nervous system you can actually hop into it easier because you don't have all of these charges in the body still in the peripheral nervous system and in that like um, touch and move and um, you can come back to like a, a deeper place of security um, and yeah, it's just deeply, deeply potent to be able to be with all of you, to touch all of you, to breathe into all of you, to explore all of you from the outside in. Yeah. Mm. And I'm wondering if you're open to sharing a little bit about like someone that say were to, com to commit to this because it's it's time, it's energy, it's going to take a bit for us to like to really jump in and meet these different parts. There are challenges that arise. But maybe if there was um, like a way to paint the picture of what's available to someone that is willing to make this commitment to themselves or to their relationship to deepen intimacy. Yeah, even if you wanted to share um, a bit about what you've experienced or what you've witnessed, that transformation that's available oh, to people. It's life-changing, you know. It's like, um, you know, your capacity to hold yourself as a male is your capacity to be able to hold your beloved and your community. Um, and, you know, if you're a human that dedicated enough time to working on your own intimacy as a male, um, it will totally transform your life, your partner's life, and your capacity to hold, you know, your purpose and your community. It's, you know, so transformational. Um, and, yeah, the actual process it will go through is, you know, forgiveness, tenderness, compassion, love, understanding, tears, releasing, um, you know, uh, lack of, um, I guess, a, a repatterning around if you're more tendent to be anxious or avoidant, you know, it's this capacity to be able to soothe yourself will pull you away from these kind of paradigms and allow you to just meet all of your emotional expressions within your body head on, head on and not need to pull back or lean in so it's like kind of that um you know large amount of energy that you felt in your body you said that you have a tendency to pull back so in the repatterning of um those sensations within our body we can kind of like stand more clear in it we're not actually afraid of 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 the sensation that's coming on um and in that it really allows us to get into this like sweet spot of prefrontal cortex a lot of self-development is kind of around talking and having coaching and, um, you know, prefrontal cortex is kind of like logic involved in it mm -hmm. versus this um, self-intimacy practice really allows us to create like a sense of safety, like we're a baby 
and basically repattern our zero to three-year-old lack of prefrontal cortex awareness. So, you know, our capacity to feel safe and have a lot of those moments where we weren't met in those development years makes you even more stable, more powerful, and more secure. Mm. Yeah. I could talk about this for a long time, but yeah, (laughs) it's another podcast. Yeah, I know. There's like just so much available when we do this work and we create that inner security inner safety that intimacy even just the part we were talking about like even my experience around like the the sympathetic arousal compared to the parasympathetic arousal i love that you brought that piece in because it really showed that transformation from me like literally running away from um pleasure or like in like overwhelming intense pleasure that actually became painful because it was so intense to be able to slow everything down and lean in and surrender and experience deep connection um, and such incredible healing and heart opening. And that's just completely shifted my relationship with my partner and brought us closer. And I feel like his capacity to hold space for me has created so much safety inside of me to be able to really open up and let go and express it's been really amazing. Mm. Amazing. That's a whole other podcast in itself yeah. as well. <laughs> Surrender between man and woman. Yeah. But um, I actually got to go on a hot brekkie date. Yeah. I'm in Perth at the moment um, and I'm going to meet my partner's cousin for the first time. So, audience, I've got to bounce. It's been great. Monique, I loved um, connecting with you again and hope the listeners really got something out of this podcast um and yeah good luck on your journeys to finding yourself thank you so much and just before you jump off how can people find you um just instagram matthew bruce um what i do nowadays is i do a somatic microdosing facilitated training i basically teach people about the intersection of somatic safety and, and healing um and then different archetypes of you know how we can help people in their unique um expression so there's a lot of self-help out there but um you know the stuff that i really like to focus on is looking at a person's uniqueness so you know maybe a water sign or somebody that has these certain characteristics what somatic tools can we give them to support them in unlocking balance for them yeah so um i love it uh it's very something i'm very passionate about and um yeah i hope everyone has a happy new moon today it's the um year the dragon so um, hopefully I'm at episode 100 and, yeah, sending you a lot of love. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was an awesome conversation. Yeah, I'm sure we'll connect again soon. Amazing. we have to get me back for a, maybe a deeper intimacy chat yeah. later on. All right. Definitely. See you. Ciao. Bye. You are invited to join me on an incredible journey. Deep Pleasure is a six-week activation journey beginning February 15th, where we will be connecting live every week for six weeks. This is for the woman who is ready to connect to herself, her body, her pleasure in a deeply loving way so that she can experience deep pleasure, tap into her power and truly enjoy life. By joining Deep Pleasure, you will connect to your body, expand your capacity to feel deep pleasure, joy and orgasmic bliss, cultivate inner safety and feel secure within yourself to be authentically and unapologetically yourself and to confidently express yourself. 
you will also transform your sexual narrative so that you can sexually thrive and feel more connection, intimacy, and aliveness. Accessing your pleasure will support you in creating the life you deeply desire and thriving in all areas of your life. For being in your pleasure causes you to become magnetic for what you deeply desire. Doing this deep internal work for yourself is absolutely life-changing and will transform your relationship to yourself and really open you up to having these beautiful new experiences. And I can't wait to share this journey with you. If you would like to learn more about Deep Pleasure, my six-week activation journey, I've popped the link below in the description. I'm so excited to share this journey with you. And I'm even more excited for you to tap into that deep love, deep pleasure and aliveness inside of yourself. Thank you so much for listening to the Good Girl Unleashed podcast. If you are loving this content, go ahead and subscribe to be notified of upcoming episodes. Please leave a five-star review to help me get these powerful teachings and practices to those who need it. If you would like to submit a question or would like to know more about how we can work together, send me an email to info at So much love to you, beautiful human. Until next time.